Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. Welcome back, everybody, to Simplify Jesus, where we are breaking barriers through communication. This week, we're going to be talking about the the boring side of the tabernacle, but we're going to make it interesting. <laughs> but uh, last week, we talked about Moses being on the mountain and getting the law from God, getting the Ten Commandments. But while all that was happening, the Israelites got restless and called on Aaron to make a god for them. So Aaron took all of their gold rings and jewelry and, and decided to do the wrong thing and make a golden calf for them. But he didn't know yet, right? He didn't have the law yet. I'm so kidding. He knew. <laughs> I think I think the they, they had the Ten Commandments. God, they had all they all heard the Ten Commandments, and so they should have at least known that. Oh, they all heard them. Okay, yeah, they, yeah. Didn't, they just didn't have the tablets. It wasn't in writing yet. Uh, right, right. It's not a contract <laughs> till it's in writing. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, all joking aside, they uh, they worship this golden calf of all things as as a god who led them out of Egypt because the pillar of fire and the uh, the, the, the cloud wasn't enough. Right. Um, so God sent Moses back down the mountain to correct the people after Moses said, no, don't take them all out because God wanted to kill them. <laughs> but they had a little bit of a conversation and God said, okay, you go take care of your people. You need to, you need to get a hold of them. So when he got back down the mountain, he threw down and smashed the two stone tablets inscribed by God with the law and Got the people back in line. And um, as I said, Moses asked God to forgive the people. And Moses said, I want to see the glory of God. I want to see you. And and God said, you can't because you'll die. But I'll put you in a crevice of a rock as I walk by. And you'll only be able to see my back because if you see my face, you will surely die. And in the end of all of this, God instructed Moses to make two more stone tablets and inscribe the law on them again. See what anger does to you? Makes you <laughs> makes you have to do your work all over again. Uh, and I'm sure that was no small task. Yeah, no kidding. Stone tablets together and get them inscribed and all that stuff. Back then, that was uh, that was I'm sure difficult. And again, it just goes back to we're 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 talking Bronze Age here. Mm-hmm. We're just coming out of the Stone Age, and they're I mean, is that a sign they're still writing on stone stone tablets inscribing? You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I assume they don't have, uh, they didn't have like paper, papyrus scrolls, that kind of stuff. I, yeah, yeah, probably not yet. Yeah, that that was, I guess that's how they communicated, how they the hieroglyphs and all that stuff. That that's kind of when we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's and that's what I love about this. Just putting all that in, in putting all this into perspective. Going back and and all we know growing up in school and everything about the Stone Age, they teach us uh, cavemen and grunts and clubs and <laughs> right but but we're looking at this and we're just now coming out of that age and they're still writing on stone tablets yeah yeah that's just so interesting to me so anyway going from stone tablets to <laughs> building immaculate uh well at least the way it's described mm-hmm. immaculate tabernacles I'm, I'm kind of excited to see the difference in that so um where are we at now with this tabernacle? What's that look like, Matt? So a, a big part of what God gave to Moses was instructions for how to build the tabernacle and the holy items. And and this was to be basically the place where God's presence could be, um, where he would uh, come and be with the people and where the priests would perform their holy ceremonies and all that stuff that we'll get into uh, down the road a little bit. But 
but he gave him very specific instructions on how to build this tabernacle. And so after Moses saw uh, God walk by, uh, Moses called on the people to bring offerings of items to build this thing. And Exodus 35 verses 5 through 9 says, Take up an offering among you for the Lord. Let everyone whose heart is willing bring this as the Lord's offering. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. Fine linen and goat hair, ram skins dyed red and fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx with gemstones to mount on the ephod and breastpiece. I find this so interesting that he says, take up an offering from those whose heart is willing. Mm-hmm. He's not commanding them. He's not saying yeah. you have to pay this price to be in our group. He's saying if your heart's willing. I love that. Because that's what he tells us today, right? Yeah. You don't have to pay tithes to go to church. We have episodes on that in the past. Yeah. And and, and anyway, I just love that. And, and I love that it's so specific mm-hmm. of these are the things that we need. Yeah. And, and what's incredible about this is we'll see when they bring all the material. One, it's just a massive amount of material. But they weren't short on anything. Mm. Yeah, It wasn't like they had to go knocking door to door and saying, hey, you know, we could use a little more yarn. You think you can give us that? Like, no, it was... They had what they needed, and it was all out of the willingness of their heart. And it's really interesting with this coming out of the whole golden calf incident, right? Where they they just hey we're you know we don't know what's going on with Moses up there, and so we're just gonna we're gonna go do our own thing. But now they're like, okay, no, we're all in, we're good, mm-hmm. we, we we can do this. Um, it's really interesting to see that. That happened so quickly. That switch flipped so quickly. Well, I want to know what halftime speech Moses gave him (laughs) to to bring him back around after the golden calf. Yeah. (laughs) Something about having to drink water tainted with gold flakes or something. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Maybe it had something to do with it. (laughs) In addition to bringing all the material, he also called on skilled artisans to come and uh, use those items to build out all the parts and pieces of the tabernacle. And so it's just really cool. It's a cool moment. Exodus 35 of everybody jumping in and bringing what they can, whether it's skills, whether it's gifts, whatever they had doing what they could to build out these holy items. But something that was really interesting in thinking about this as well is not only that everybody was willing to give it, but where did all this stuff come from? Mm. You think about them as slaves. Yeah. They didn't have a whole lot of material possessions probably, but if you remember during the Exodus, they plundered the Egyptians. They went and told them and said, hey, you know, give us your stuff. We're your friends. And then they walked out the door with it. This is most likely, I'm assuming, where all of that came from. And so it shows a little bit, um, another cool thing, a little bit of redemption, I guess, uh, with the Israelites um, being able to use things that came from a not so great place and say, no, we're going to use this to build something really cool um, and build this for God. It's there's a there, there's something cool about that redemption quality coming through where even things that necessarily weren't great on the front end are being used for something really cool. Well, and this wasn't, you know, a tiny little hut or, or tent that they were building. So no. they had a ton of materials. Yeah. Uh, so they must have really plundered the Egyptians big time. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. No kidding. So after they collect all the materials, uh, Moses has told them, you know, called call the artisans come do their thing. They designate two people to be leaders of putting this all together. Uh, Bezalel was the guy who was designated to be kind of the overall leader for the project. A skilled artisan. He's somebody who could do all the things, but also train others. And then he was also given a holy ab to help teach the people how to make these things. So, you know, so they were, uh, 
you might call them project managers like you are. Hey, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The only difference is I can't do the things that my guys do. Uh, I only push paper. Well, they always say if you can't teach, if you can do. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I just, I just, here you go. You make something make sense of this. I have a feeling Be- Bezalel and Aholiab were a little more skilled than, uh, than I am in, in the art of construction. But, but I think it's interesting. With this, they do have that defined leader. You know, Moses is the leader of the nation, but he said God gave him somebody uh, in Bezalel and Oholiab and said, you guys are going to lead this project. I'm still the overseer. I'm still dealing with the people, but I can't do it all. I'm going to hand this off to you and you're going to take care of this for me. Well, Moses is, you know, like you said, he's the leader and he's got Aaron and Mm -hmm. he's got Aaron's kids. Yep. And he's got all of the elders that were delegated Mm -hmm. after... Jethro, Jethro came in yeah. and told him to do that, uh, gave him that advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just building this big, I don't want to say business, but enterprise of some sort. You know, I mean, this big mm-hmm. community, which we all have leaders in the community too. Right. We have our elected officials. These are leaders that we've yeah. put in place to help us navigate what's going on around us. Yeah. Which is exactly what they've done here. This is the earliest form of it. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the ori- original org chart. You right. know, the, the, this is it. <laughs> And so it's, it's just really cool to see that, um, especially seeing how it seemed like coming out of Egypt, how Pharaoh ran things, a dictator. And he did, you know, he was the the leader. This is this idea of delegation and building a team and all that stuff. It's, it's cool to see. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good practice for everybody. We, we all need to be good delegators and empowering people and all that kind of stuff. So what did they actually make? Um, the biggest thing was the tabernacle itself. This this structure of the tabernacle was made of wood primarily for the frame and had linen and yarn for the curtains that went around it. It was 15 feet wide by 45 feet long. So not, you know, just this monstrous uh, space because, you know, think about it. They've got to be able to tear it down and take it with them. But this it was like 47 feet This is the size of a small, tall. single-wide mobile home. That's what this is. <laughs> Most of those... 16 feet by 60, somewhere around there. I used to work in mobile homes, so these are, this is, yeah, yeah I can relate to things. But So, so that that's kind of, thinking about the size, like that, that's yeah. kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, it was 40 something feet tall. Um, so it was, it was, it was a tall, it was a very tall structure, but as far as like the, the footprint wasn't crazy. There was one 15 foot section that was, it was called the tent of meeting or the most holy place. This is where God was going to be. This is where the Ark of the Covenant that we're going to talk about in a minute would be. But this is basically where people went to talk to God. And then you had the other 30 feet of length was the holy place. This is where the other holy items would be, um, like the uh, altars and that kind of stuff. This is where some of the rituals and stuff would take place. And so, like I said, this was made out of wood frame with acacia wood. It was interesting in the details. They had this like peg and hole system for the boards that went into it. It's like, oh, we still use that today for bookshelves from Ikea. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, now, this but, is a much bigger scale, though. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, and, and I found um, I was curious as to what this looked like. And people have made drawings of it. Mm-hmm. And based on what the Bible says it looks like. Mm-hmm. And it is very neat to look at and see. Uh, you know, the, the surrounding gates that I'm sure we'll get into here in a minute and mm-hmm. the tent of meeting with all of the different details around it. Yeah. Um, and, and God set it up so specifically that there is a purpose for every single place within this gated area. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the gate, the curtains for the courtyard are one of the last things they 
talk about building, but it went around the tabernacle and it was overall, it was 150 feet long and 75 feet wide that kind of set the the courtyard around it. But again, it was made out of this linen curtain material with the yarn that all tied it together. And so this was really this, I guess, area that was created by this thing was really, it was something impressive, but this is where the people would come and commune with God. Mm. And so it was, uh, it was really something special. Um, the first physical church. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a portable church at that. Yeah. <laughs> went with um, them everywhere they went. Yeah, absolutely. So they also made a lot of stuff to go in the tabernacle itself. One of the big ones that you probably heard about is the Ark of the Covenant. Um, it's one of the more famous items made. It was 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, and 27 inches high, all made out of acacia wood. And keep this in mind, that's where a lot of important artifacts are going to end up in the story of Israel. Um, specifically, the stone tablets end up there. And throughout their time in the wilderness there there are little things that are put in there as a memento and memorial to how god has moved with them in in the wilderness as a drummer or as a musician in general i am always curious about different woods because our instruments right our Mm -hmm. our guitars our drums all this stuff is made out of wood i'm curious as to what acacia wood is like do you know anything yeah so so acacia wood um doing doing a little research here it it is a hardwood um looks like it was especially good for outdoors. Um, and so knowing that this was going to be something that would be exposed, whether it's the Ark of the Covenant or the, the, the courtyard, the tabernacle, all that stuff, it was stand up to water. Well, um, still commonly used apparently in furniture, it grows fast. So you could get, I guess, long, long runs of it. Well, but yeah, good, a good hardy wood for outdoor use. Cool. The more, you know, the more you know. I like it. So, yeah, and apparently there was a lot of other stuff. Well, I mean, I guess everything would have been made with it if that's what they had access For to, For the most right? part, yeah. yeah. But, you know, as far as the tabernacle, they made the wooden tables that go mm-hmm. into it. There was an altar of incense that was made out of wood, so probably the acacia wood as well, mm-hmm. I would think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Apparently they used the acacia wood quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, throughout the, the tabernacle. So yeah. I'm... I like to build stuff. I need to get me some of that acacia wood. <laughs> yeah. Hey, try it out. <laughs> so, something tells me mine wouldn't turn out quite as good as this stuff did. But you know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the other things that they used a lot for their building was uh, metals. Um, they used a lot of gold, silver, and bronze. Um, in fact, they had a uh, lamp stand that was made. It's very ornate, kind of cool how it was described with uh, buds and petals coming off of it. Um, it was made out of a single piece of hammered gold. Which, just to think of, I know gold is softer metal, so it's a little more malleable, but man, that just, the way it's described, it's hard to imagine that being made out of a single piece. But Well, um, and I think we've talked about it before in a few episodes back, but uh, gold wasn't necessarily the as highly sought after as it is today, I think. Yeah. And more readily available, right? They mm-hmm. could find it. I mean, we've kind of taken all of it out of the ground now. <laughs> right. All right. of it, but, so there's probably a bunch of it around yeah yeah in fact they had over two thousand pounds of gold that went into this thing wow and so the the little lamp stand was just a little bit of it there were gold embroidering in different things and uh even in the priest clothes they had some different stuff and so yeah it was uh there was a there was a lot of gold Can you uh, imagine gold. what that'd be worth today <laughs> yeah it'd be incredible absolutely incredible. considering you know the gold standard is <laughs> is what we kind of go by today right yeah and it's it's gonna be up there 
Yeah, absolutely. Gold was the probably the most precious metal as far as what we think of today that they used, but they also used over 7,500 pounds of silver and over 5,000 pounds of bronze. Wow. Uh, you know, just the fact that they had all of that um, is, is incredible in its own right, but to know that all of that went into the tabernacle and the holy items, just crazy. And then plus all the wood, the yard, the linen... Everything that went in this. I mean, there was just a ton that went into this. And then not to mention all the work that was all the artisans and stuff that went into it. This was a massive undertaking, um, but pretty impressive. Well, one of the things I'm thinking about as you're talking about how many pounds, you know, we're talking what, uh, uh, 15,000 pounds yep. of, of, mm-hmm. m- of minerals, of, of materials for all yeah. of this. And these people are walking mm-hmm. their, through their journey. Yeah. Uh, maybe have camels. Probably mm-hmm. not horses. I don't know. I don't know back then. Probably. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, but yeah. they donkeys probably for sure, you know. Uh, Something. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of help, but not much. They're no. they're they're walking this journey. Um, so I know that um, as I'm as I'm kind of doing my own study now chronologically and I'm mm-hmm. I'm a little ahead of where we are now, we're gonna find out here in a while just how many people were in this group. Yeah. And you think, well, how did they carry all that? Oh, there's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah don't think, that's how they did it. Yeah. I don't well, think there was an issue of, of, of doing that. So that just shows though, that mm-hmm. a lot of people, their mm-hmm. hearts were willing to give to this. Yeah. Even back at when they left Egypt, I think it's recorded. There were like 600,000 men plus their family. So no, that's like right. It's, that's right. So it's like there, there is, there's just a massive amount of people, but it, and even so, I think, you combine that with the fact that people were willing to give this up. It's like, man, this is, this is really, um, it's a lot, it's a lot. And, and to think about, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here with how it all points to Jesus, but, but to think about a community coming together mm-hmm. saying, Hey, we're going to do this thing. We're going to give our, put our best foot forward and do this. Um, it was no small fee. There was no way, you know, a single person or even just a couple of people could have pulled that off and right. could have had all of this. Yeah, and and there is no way. It, well, obviously, God instructed them to do this, mm-hmm. so they wouldn't have done it without God saying so. <laughs> right, um, and it was for God's glory, right? It was for His purposes, right? And they just said, "Here you go, Lord. We're going to give you what we've got." Yeah, that's yeah, cool. We're all in. So after they made the tabernacle and all of the articles to go in it, they also made priestly garments. They made an ephod, a breastpiece, robe, holy diadem. Um, and this was all for the high priest, which at this time would be Aaron. It'd be passed down to his sons. Um, but, um, the, the whole thing is just kind of, I'm going to get to this in a little bit with how, with what else is going on in the world, but it, you, you see a, um, a real high importance put on the priests and the presence of God and, and how, all of this stuff points to God saying, look, I'm your king. And so when you come and talk to me, this is this is how it needs to be. And, give, and setting a high standard. Give your best to God, right? Yeah. As, as the Bible says, you know, uh, he asked for the first and the best of the for sacrifice and everything else. Even today, I think we're supposed to give yeah. our best. And, I, you know, I have to explain that to our kids when they're like, why do we have to dress up for church? And, <laughs> and you know, you don't have to dress up to go to church. Don't hear me say that. Yeah. But we want to give our best to God. So right. we get dressed up and we're going to be around, you know, a couple hundred of our, of our friends. Right. You know? Make it, you know, do a uh, try. You can try. <laughs> try. <laughs> right. But 
I wanted to also note, so I mentioned being able to go online and look for pictures of the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what an ephod was, mm-hmm. right? I didn't know what a lot of that stuff was that went into the priestly garments. So I went and looked it up and I just Googled, mm-hmm. you know, the priestly garments of Moses' time. Yeah. And, and this came up and it's real detailed and it was really cool to see it and make it tangible. That's, that's my big thing. I've got to make it tangible. Yeah. And yeah. To see how much went into it, the detail of every little stitch was just really cool to see. So go check yeah. that out. Yeah, for sure. Because the the cool thing about it is everything has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that they built, everything, all the clothes they made, all of that has a specific purpose, and there's a reason it's there. So it's really cool to see it come to life, and then say, okay, that's what that was all about. That's what this was for. Um, it's yeah, not, not, nothing by accident, and nothing just just because. Right. right. Um, it's it's all. Um, and, and it's just cool to see, and it's cool to think about, you know, this being in the Bronze Age when you know they don't have the technology that we have today to make these things, and yet the way it's described and and the I guess the renderings that we have of it are just impressive, absolutely impressive. How they how they built this thing, how they made all this stuff, what it looked like, um, just just incredible. Yeah, I've got the table saw, I've got the skill saws, I've got the um, I've got all the tools in my shop that I need because I love woodworking, mm-hmm. but I guarantee you theirs was much better than I could ever do. <laughs> <laughs> they, had, they had a special, uh, some divine inspiration in there. Right. For right. sure. So after everything was made, they put it all together. They assembled the tabernacle. They put up the, the fencing around the courtyard. They put all the holy items in their place. Uh, Moses oversaw everything, um, ensuring that everything was done exactly as God has instructed. And once it was all complete, everything was put together. It says that God's presence came down. Uh, Exodus 40, verses 34 and 35. The cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was unable to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud rested on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And so it's not just that God came down and was with them. But he's like, no, this is this is my space. This is my territory for now. Um, now that's... That's not always the case. Just in this initial kind of interaction, we see we see God filling the tabernacle, filling the temple, so to speak. Um, Are we going to get into, or did I miss it, why God is doing this? Why he wanted to be in the tabernacle as a resting place for him, I guess it says he rested there. Um, the cloud rested on it. Um, mm-hmm. We well, haven't gotten into that. I didn't really, I hadn't really thought about that, honestly kind of having a home for God. No, I hadn't even thought about that, of why that was important. Yeah, because he didn't have to be. He's, he's at his home. You know? yeah. Did he just want to be with his people? Yeah. Did he? Was it a point to, um, you know what, y'all, y'all made this calf um, because it took, <laughs> I took too long, mm-hmm. in your opinion, so I'm going to make sure my presence is known often. Mm-hmm. But I need a place to go for it. Yeah. I can't just show up and I'll kill you all. <laughs> well, and I, and I wonder if it even gets into having that place set aside so that, hey, when you're coming to talk to God, this is where you go. And mm-hmm. this is, you know, similar to having the church that we get together and we go to church and, and there's, you know, something special about that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's I, something I intentional if, about it. Right. You have to be intentional in going there. You you prepare yourself, you know, if Aaron's going to go into the Holy of Holies, um, which is what they call it in the temple, but the, the most holy place, and he's going to have to put on the priestly garments and he's going to, you know, he's going to get himself prepared and be intentional about going and talking to God. And I think that's a lot of what this is, is, you know, 
this is where when you, when you want to do something with God, when you're doing sacrifices or when you're coming to worship or reading from the law or whatever, this is where we do it. And we have this place that's set apart that is, um, holy ground, so to speak, that, that we're, that you're going to come into God's presence. I love that we don't have to do that today, mm-hmm. right? We can, uh, we can talk to Jesus right here, right now. Yeah. We can, we can go to church. As you said, you know, it's, it's a special place where we go to be with God's people and mm-hmm. to be with God, but it doesn't matter what you're doing or where you're at. You can still talk to Jesus today. I yeah. love it. Yeah, that's that's one of the big shifts that happens from here to when Jesus comes is Hebrew describes Jesus as our great high priest. And so before you would have to, you know, to talk to God, to take anything to God, you would go through Aaron, basically, or mm-hmm. whoever the high priest was. He would have to go into the Holy of Holies and commune with God. But when Jesus came, he becomes our advocate. He is the high priest. So we can do that anywhere, right? There, there isn't this ritual. We don't have to go through a priest. We get, we get to just pray and, and wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. Um, I often do it while I'm driving in the morning, turn mm-hmm. the radio off, pray on my way to work, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Not with your eyes closed. I hope. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. I'm going. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. Um, but, but it is, it's cool that we, that we have that. Um, and especially being, you know, quote unquote Gentiles, right? We're not, because we're not of Jewish descent, um, that we're not excluded from that. That was a big deal down the road as well is that only, only the Israelites, only the Jewish people could take part in this. And, mm. um, yeah, not all, all of that's out because Jesus did what he did. Which is interesting because from the beginning, God said the people are the children of God, mm-hmm. but he's going around. If you mess up, he's going around and taking you out. And only the Jewish people could talk to God. So is this a, did, did the Jewish people make this rule? Or did God say only these people, only the Israelites can talk to me? So, so God instituted like the, down the road, he's going to institute the Levites as the priests is the ones to work in the tabernacle. And he establishes Aaron as the high priest. And so it's, you know, not unlike uh, a royal lineage with kings and queens. It's, it's kind of like that where Aaron's the high priest and that works its way down through his family. So so it, it was instituted by God in that way. But it was also one of the things that that is talked about in, in a few different places is how to handle, like if you have slave labor from somebody who's not an Israelite or if there's uh, foreigners among, living among you, that sort of thing, how they're kind of grafted in to the Israelite community. Hmm. Um, and so they're not, they're not Jewish by descent, but they've gone through all of the things to be a Jewish person. They were essentially converted. Gotcha. So, so they're basically grafted into the community. So when you do that, then, so you have that option. Yeah. Even, even at this time you have that option to be grafted in, mm-hmm. but you were either born to it or you've made the decision to join it. Right. But outside of that, God is for, that yeah. people they're set apart i guess right okay yeah it wasn't it wasn't until jesus came that the doors were opened essentially and it's and it's really the same thing right everybody has to choose what they do with jesus they have mm-hmm. to decide you know do i believe that this was the son of god or not and so in that way it's very similar but there's not all the rituals tied to it mm-hmm. it's a decision of do i do i know that i'm a sinner and believe that he is the way to salvation so i'm gonna put my faith in him or Am I going to trust myself for that? So it is, it is very similar in that, but it's just a, it's a different process, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. 
Yeah. So speaking of all that, so we're we're talking about Jesus now. We're bringing him in the picture because one of the things that um, you talked about going through Jesus to talk to God, mm-hmm. that's something that took me a while to figure out. Mm. Was, and I and I I don't know if it's the right way to look at it, but I've I've looked at it to keep it straight in my mind that you know God is our creator. Mm-hmm. He's the one from the beginning that he has made all these commandments. He's made all these rules for for the Jewish people to follow. Right. He's the one that can't look on sin, mm-hmm. right? We talked about that last week or the week before. Yeah. Um, so he sent his son, mm-hmm. who is now our savior, right? Mm-hmm. So now we have the creator, and now we have our savior, who we, we need to go through Jesus. He's our high priest, like you just said, so mm-hmm. we can talk to Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's why when we pray, you know, we say in Jesus' name, because he says to pray in my name. Yeah. And it gets to God, right? So, yeah. And they're connected, mm-hmm. so it's a little, you know, we're... Now yeah. we're talking about the Holy the the, the Holy Trinity here mm-hmm. that can be a little confusing. Yeah, but again, the way I separate it, you got our Creator, you got our Savior, mm-hmm. who then, when He left, went back to heaven, mm-hmm. sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. Yeah. So now we've got our Counselor, I guess our our you know mm-hmm. this Holy Spirit kind of guides us. He's our yeah. guide. While that's all the same person, they kind of have three different jobs, I guess. Yeah. In a very simplistic form. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're three different people with three mm-hmm. different jobs, but they're all one. They're all one and the same. Yeah. So we can look at this set of scripture that we're going through now mm-hmm. through the Old Testament and still be able to point everything to Jesus through yeah. that. Um, and I love that we can, and I love that it's set up that way. So what are we, uh, we've, we've been talking about Jesus a lot, but I know you have a specific <laughs> point to how this points to Jesus. What does that look like? Yeah, the work of putting together this tabernacle is, we we mentioned it, it's no small undertaking, right? This is a big deal. How they did this is a great view of how we're called to be as the church. Um, You know, no one person at that time had all the materials, the skills, the abilities. They they couldn't do it. They couldn't build it by themselves. But together as a community, they came together and they built something that was greater than themselves with a tabernacle and the courtyard and all that stuff. But when we think about how this points to Jesus, you know, Jesus called us to be the same way in the church, living in community. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, for just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. Just like the Israelites were all equipped differently and had different materials and different gifts that they brought to the table. So it's just like that for us in the church, right? That we have different gifts, different backgrounds that we bring to the table that can all be used. And the church is absolutely the most effective when everybody brings what they've got to the table and uses them for God, for um, talking to other people about Jesus, for helping the church to grow, serving the church, whatever that looks like. So I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian listening to this today, that you do have a place in the local church. You've got a role to play in your local church and in the global church that God's got a purpose for you. He's gifted you a certain way, given you a certain background. He's got a purpose for you in that just like the Israelites did something greater than themselves out in the middle of the wilderness with nobody else around to, to help them out. We can do the same in, in our church today. If we bring everything to the table, you know, and it's, it's said that 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work. Right. (laughs) Um, and, and I think that's absolutely true. Um, and we can see it as, as you and I serve in our church in multiple areas, Mm -hmm. we can see the, the kind of group of people that, that serve regularly yeah, um, because we're there when the doors are open. Right. right. So we, we see who's there with us when the doors are open. Right. Now there's people we don't necessarily see in the background yeah. a lot. We're not, we're not discounting any of them. We're not discounting anybody, but 
I can't help but wonder what the church would look like if 80% of the people were doing 20% of the work instead of 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. Right. (laughs) Because every role reaches different people. Our pastor talks about it all the time, about the, the different organizations that our church is a part of Mm. where percentages of our tithes go Mm. to help people all over the world. Yeah. Missionaries. We just talked about one this last week in Haiti. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, the different things we know there are people in China and Haiti and and, uh, I think South Korea and just all over the place Yeah, where it's not just, I I think one of the things people don't understand is, is church is not just about the four walls. Right. Um, People who don't go to church think, well, we're just there to serve ourselves. And, and take in whatever it is we believe and 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 keep perpetuating that. Yeah. But that's not what it's about. Yes, we're there to learn, we're there to mm-hmm. grow. Um, but we're there for to to grow our community, to help our community and to yeah. help people around the world. It's much bigger than what we are. Yeah. Now, that's not to say there's not churches who are very self-serving. <laughs> um, I'm sure there are a lot of those out there too. But good quality Bible believing, Bible teaching churches mm-hmm are about serving the community and serving the rest of the world. Yeah. So I, I just don't want that to get flipped. What we're doing to work in the church and serve and tithes and offerings and everything else that, that we give isn't just for us. It's for, yeah. it's for everybody. That's right. That's right. And, and when we have that perspective of plugging into something bigger than ourselves, that's what draws us in. That's, I'm sure that's what the Israelites were thinking about when they brought all the materials in of, you know, 2000 pounds of gold. Well, not one person gave that, but if I give a ring here and I give a little mm-hmm. thing here, like everybody coming together, that's how you do that. That's how you make a big impact. And yeah, that, that's, that's how we're called to be. We all bring our little piece to the table and see what we can do and see what we're able to do. And, but our motivation is knowing that we're, we're working for something much bigger than ourselves. Well, and I think of even some of the, uh, the different, um, Missions within the church, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Emily, my wife, is the children's ministry coordinator, right? She is the one that tries to put everything together where the children are concerned. Yeah. That doesn't mean she's the one going in and teaching all the kids. Mm. She's got people like Matt and, and so many others that are there to help with that. But yeah. we have to say all the time, we need she needs help with that. Yeah. And right now, I'm, I'm just using this as an example because there's a lot of other parts of the church that are like this mm-hmm. where... If she had 40 people helping her on mm-hmm. a regular basis, you would only have to miss church once every two months right? right? To, right. To, to work in the children's wing to help the mm-hmm. kids, right? Um, if she had 30 people helping with Awana, mm-hmm. uh, she would never be short-staffed and all the kids would be flourish because they would have plenty of teachers to, to help with that. Yeah, you know, just different yeah. examples. She's close. I, I see her world more than anything. Yeah, um, yeah. If, if Matt and I had more help in the sound booth, and, the, and we wouldn't be up there every Sunday. We could right. have time in the pews with our families. Not complaining. We love doing it. Mm-hmm. Just saying the more people that go in and help and do these things uh, like the Israelites did, mm-hmm. building the tabernacle, yeah, the better off the church is. Yeah, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, too, if, you, if you're worried about you know, things like burnout or, um, oh, I'm just too busy, I don't have time. I would, uh, I would encourage you that it, it is pouring out. Don't get me wrong, um, but it, it is also fulfilling to do those things, mm-hmm. um, and especially if you are where God has called you to be and you're doing what what God has equipped you to do. Um, it is absolutely fulfilling to um, to be a part of that, to be a part of the bigger mission of the church, and to 
you know, to see the kids flourish on Wednesday nights or to see um, services go well, you know, despite whatever technology issues we may have, <laughs> the, the things still go well, right? We work through it. We, we make it happen to see people worship and be a part of that, uh, to, to see the growth and, and everyone. It's, it really is. And, and, you know, I think sometimes people think, oh, well, if you're not a teacher, then, you know, you don't have a part to play. And that's just not true at all. I mean, we've got people that cook, people that clean, got people that do maintenance and keep up with the yard and the HVAC. I mean, there's my point in all that. There is a role for you. Um, yeah. There is a role for you in the church and uh, and whatever you've got to bring to the table, you're going to be glad you did. You know, and I, again, another example, we're running a little long today, but but <laughs> another example, just using myself as an example again. I run sound for our church, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I went to school for sound engineering, Mm -hmm. live in studio, Um, went to school for drums, went to school for vocals, though you can't tell these days. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, I've got training in music. I was trying to be a full-time musician. Hmm. Guess what I'm not doing anymore? Right. I'm not a full-time musician, but I can use those skills in the church. Yeah. To help. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't underestimate your, your experience and your background for, for how God can use it. For and sure. Just because you're not doing what you thought you'd be doing or wanted to do in the past, mm-hmm. there's no reason you can't do it now to help, That's right. help your community. That's right. All right. So, as I said, we're running long. I apologize. <laughs> but we're going to still move on to what was going on elsewhere in the world. So it's really uh, interesting. Uh, we were talking about the the metals and how you know, even though gold and silver and whatnot were more common back then, there was still something special about them. Um, and there's a reason they were using this. In the Bronze Age, not unlike today, gold was seen as a sign of nobility. Um, of course, it was wealth, status. Um, so it was more common then. Otherwise, how do you have 2,000 pounds in a single community? Um, <laughs> but uh, but it was still it was still really important. And so... There's even stories of people being buried with it, uh, being buried with uh, gold and silver as kind of, you know, these these people are divine. And so they, they deserve this. They've earned this to be buried with their possessions. This is kind of a weird thing to think about, but um, but apparently that was a thing. So apparently Egyptian pharaohs, they were divine and, you know, they've got their tombs full of <laughs> fine jewelry and linens and exactly yeah yeah Yeah, exactly you can't take it with you people yeah (laughs) and so an interesting connection to that and in this story is god is is instructing them to use gold and all these things it's a way that he is reminding them that he is he's the king he's their leader and so when they come to interact with him that's when you break out the good stuff the 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 golden uh the candle stands and the things in uh encased in gold and bronze and silver yeah, Moses is their leader. He's their he's their earthly leader, but their worship and intention is supposed to be pointed towards God, and that's when you that's when you break out the good stuff. And so I just I I, I thought it was interesting to see that he did that there, but in cultures around the world, that was that was a common thing. And specifically coming out of Egypt, that was not uncommon. That even as more plentiful as it was, it was gold was still seen as a sign of nobility, um, and even interacting with the divine. Yeah, that is very interesting, and. To think that this is going on and the people elsewhere in the world probably don't know what's happening with the tabernacle right now. Yeah. But they're still kind of hoarding these fine... Uh, it's shiny. <laughs> right. <laughs> Look right. at this shiny thing. I want to keep it. It must be worth something. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. And today people are finding tombs full of gold and mm-hmm. other fine jewelry and diamonds, I'm sure, and whatever else they found that was shiny. 
Yeah. ADD back in the day, man. They, anything that was shiny, they wanted to keep. <laughs> <laughs> My, how things have not changed. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's funny how it all just comes together. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, next week, we are going to start touching on Leviticus. Now, if you've read it, don't be afraid. We know it's a lot of laws. Some are just kind of ridiculous. Some are... <laughs> should probably still be in effect today but <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna touch on it we're not gonna go into all the detail of it we don't want to bore you so be sure to tune in and hopefully see how we can bring it all together to make sense without boring you and, and <laughs> making you want to just put an ice pick in your head i don't know because <laughs> sometimes that's how i feel when i'm reading it yeah uh so you're not alone but we're gonna touch on that next week and until then Y'all have a great week. Matt, why don't you get us on out of here? If you have any comments, questions, or concerns about today's episode, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love to hear from you. Just let us know what you think. Be sure to check us out on social media and keep up with the latest from Simplify Jesus. We like to hang out on Facebook and Twitter. Comment, like, share. Keep up with all the latest stuff we've got going on there. You can also keep up with the latest at www.simplifyjesus.com as we roll out new podcast episodes and we've got different things going on. That's where you'll be able to find that. And finally, if you're looking for uh, where to listen to this podcast, let us know if you can't find us, but you can always just ask Alexa. Just say, hey, Alexa, play the Simplify Jesus podcast and you'll find us there. And with that being said, you guys have a great week. Take care, everybody.